0: Welcome to Big Nothing Radio, a show about music, time, chicken coops, James Bond, Secret Brothers, and punk covers. I'm your host, Bryce August. Let's get into it. I feel like I have to make a slight, not a retraction, but a correction in the last part of last week's. Episode I talked about how there was an unnamed third member in the group Divine Beings who did the Jamaican Patois reggae toasting rap thing, which upon further research, that rapper was a previous member of Divine Beings whose name was Saladin or The Dean, I just want to make sure that y'all know that I'm going to come correct. And if I make a mistake, which I will inevitably, because I usually research all of this stuff during the week while I'm writing it, while I'm also trying to drive my daughter to school and go to work and have some sort of social life. Sometimes those things fall through the cracks. But I will do whatever I can to give you The best info that I have on hand, and if I'm wrong, which I will be, to remind you of that fact, because it's very important. I hope y'all are having a fantastic beginning of your week. Assuming you are listening to this on Monday morning when it comes out, or maybe it's later in the week. Maybe it's Wednesday. Maybe you are driving home from work. Maybe you are mowing the lawn. Maybe you are training for ski jumping and you need some new jams to get you pumped up. Whatever the case, I hope that you're having a lot of fun and I hope that a couple of these songs will get your motor running and and I hope we can have a little bit of fun together while I ramble at you about songs that I like, songs that remind me of stories from a long time ago, songs that remind me of old cars, all that good stuff. So let's get to it. Big, big, big. Nothing, big, nothing, nothing, radio, radio, radio. If you're a newer follower of Big Nothing, you might not know that this whole thing started as a collaboration between myself and my friend Brian K. Mark. We originally started as a radio show before shifting it to the newsletter, and obviously now it's the podcast. And although I've taken the reins, Brian and I still talk about music pretty much every day. A few weeks ago, while I was dismantling a chicken coop in my backyard, Brian randomly texted me a link to this song and just said, Check that riff. That's kind of how a lot of our interactions go. We just send each other random stuff. Cool music, dumb memes, weird YouTube videos, whatever it may be with not a whole lot of context. And then proceed to talk about it, text each other, call each other, go get a beer, whatever it is. This song is indeed a very good riff. The thing that it reminds me of, though, is do you remember that kind of flash in the pan TikTok meme where someone would go, never let them know your next move. And then they do a bunch of weird stuff like they'd put their shoes on their hands or brush their forehead instead of their teeth or they'd go to throw something in a garbage can and then they, you know, throw it through a basketball hoop that was randomly sitting just out of frame or whatever it is. It kind of reminds me of that it's got this really familiar feel, but then every time you think you know where it's gonna go, it just shoots off in another direction, which I think is super fun. And kind of maybe one of the only ways that you can still go about making psychedelic music in this day and age is to just do something that makes people feel a little uncomfortable. This guy, Corey Hansen, is the vocalist and also guitarist in a band called Wand from L.A. And they have a similarly cracked psychedelic approach to Americana. But apparently, Corey wanted to go do his own little thing with this record. Or maybe the other boys in Wand just wouldn't let him name their next album Western Come, which is the name of the album that this song is off. So he made his own album with blackjack and hookers, and named it that. I'm going to go build my own theme park with blackjack and hookers. In fact, forget the park. Let's listen to it. This is Housefly by Corey Hansen. It's kind of occurred to me that there is this leitmotif within modern singer-songwriter, like bands is the wrong word, but modern singer-songwriters who aren't doing the mopey, you know, acoustic guitar thing, where there's this kind of, they take a really sort of blasé and tongue-in-cheek approach to lyrics for instance in i think it was march of this year i wrote about the song hangover game by mj lenderman and that song is about michael jordan and it's also about how mj lenderman really wanted a pair of jordans when he was a kid and instead he got knockoffs and the memory of that. This song, sort of similarly, is about being annoyed by a fly in your house. And that's literally what all the lyrics are about. (laughs) It's just about being driven to the point of insanity by a fly buzzing around in your house. And it occurs to me that there's some resonance with the whole project that I'm doing here with Big Nothing, <laughs> where I'm just going down the rabbit hole of my own thoughts about very specific, seemingly random songs. I hope that maybe that's something that connects with a modern audience that's so that's so used to Constant content from everyone that everything sort of feels like it needs to be shareable or this big, broad, funny, dumb, meme worthy, etc. thing. And I'm, I hope that in some small way, having really personal, strange, niche stories is enticing to the world in an era when everything needs to be shareable, and everything needs to be considering the the top line of of everything and how it's going to resonate on Twitter, although I don't know what the hell's going on with Twitter. So maybe that's a bad example. But in any case, I think it's cool. I love it. I think the hyper specific, strange, tongue in cheek sort of psychedelic approach to making music is something that I really dig, and I think Corey Hansen absolutely nailed it. Plus, that riff, it's pretty tight, right? Fear, 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 nothing, 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 nothing. Radio, radio. Radio. Nothing is real. Boards of Canada are not from Canada. They are an electronic music duo from Edinburgh, Scotland, although apparently they lived in Canada as children. It may seem strange that both members of a band based in Scotland lived in Canada as children, but there's a reason for that. They are, in fact, brothers. This doesn't seem all that strange on its face, but it was Pretty mind blowing to me when I found that out recently while I was researching this song. I was a huge fan of Boards of Canada's first two records, "Music Has the Right to Children" and "Geo Gotti," when I was in high school, and I certainly back then was very much under the impression that they were not related. According to an interview they conducted in 2005, they didn't want to be compared to fellow British electro duos like Orbital, who are brothers, or the Chemical Brothers, who are not. So they actively hid the fact that they were related until almost two decades into their career. In my early teens, my friend Austin and I would often pretend that we were brothers as we formed a sort of fictional war or mythology around our own electronic group called the Nowhere. Austin and I are about the same height. We have similar colored hair. It wasn't a huge stretch for us to at least jokingly say that we were brothers. But of course we are not, as I do not have a brother. Although Austin does. What's up Jordan? The Nowhere was heavily influenced by Boards of Canada's psychedelically squirmy take on the glitchy breakbeat that was in mode in the late nineties and early zeros as well as Orbital and The Chemical Brothers' more tuneful takes on the genre. As I got older, my rabid fandom of of turn-of-the-millennium British electro faded to a distant thrum. Although I listened to the first two Boards of Canada records over and over in my parents' basement, I don't think I even noticed when they put out their third album, The Campfire Head Phase, during my sophomore year of college. Certainly, I'd never listened to their 2013 record, Tomorrow's Harvest, from which this track originates, until a few weeks ago. 20-some years into their career, the Brothers in Boards of Canada are still putting out woozy, lysergic, sun-drenched electro that can transport me back to the late summer afternoons growing up on the plains of North Dakota, not far from the Canadian border. Does it matter if I know who's behind the keyboards, sequencers, and samplers? Did it matter then? Of course not. Nothing's real. Let's listen to it. This is Nothing Is Real by Boards of Canada. Doesn't that just make you want to roll the windows down and go drive out through a wheat field at sunset? Not like through a wheat field, but you know, like next to one, just kind of have some light haze hanging over the fields, maybe hanging with a friend in silence. Those dudes still got it, even if they lied to me about not being brothers. It's interesting. Boards of Canada were part of this nebulous group of electronic musicians that all put records out for Warp Records, which is a pretty influential British techno. I mean, techno is like sort of a bad word. or It's not a bad word. It's just a very specific genre if you're actually into electronic music. But I find electronic music to be sort of clunky to say. So oftentimes I just say techno, even though it does have a specific meaning. It's sort of like Xerox or Kleenex. You know, it does have a specific thing, but then oftentimes it also has an umbrella term. I bet there's a word for that. I wonder what that is. In any case, Warp Records had kind of an incredible run of putting out albums by all of these bands or or groups or whatever you want to call them, that people from those groups would go on to to really influence a lot of pop music at large during the the 2000s. One of which was Sabres of Paradise, which was kind of a not very well known. Maybe they were. I, I wasn't around during then, but to me, I didn't really know much about them until much later group called Sabers of Paradise. And one of the guys from Sabers of Paradise was this guy, Andrew Weatherall, and he produced Primal Scream's Screamadelica, which was in a lot of ways, the first record to mix rock and electronic music. Certainly, although bands have been using samples and loops and stuff for a long time before that, of course, uh, Pink Floyd's Money is one of the earliest examples. But I think Screamadelica kind of brought it into the mainstream. So Andrew Weatherall, after Sabres of Paradise, went on to kind of be this influential bridge between rock and electronic music. And another was LFO which there is another band called LFO uh, who did the song Black girls who wear Abercrombie and Fitch, which is extremely annoying. But this band came well before that band. They were a British electronic music act, one of whom was this guy named Mark Bell, who was to Bjork as William Orbit was to Madonna kind of Bringing that production style, that depth of understanding of club and rave music into their approach to pop music. And that link is interesting for many reasons, but one of which is the next song we're going to listen to. As I mentioned, there's a lot of thematic connection or continuation from the previous song here. Not only is there the Warp Records connection, but also this is another song that I missed by a musician that I loved as a teenager. Unlike Boards of Canada, who I followed from their early releases and then lost track of later, I only ever got heavily into one Bjork album, 1998's homogenic probably first dropped onto my radar either when the video for the remix of Alarm Call which features Bjork floating on a raft in a fake river while snakes and alligators are crawling all over her, or most likely the video for All is Full of Love dropped. The latter made waves that would have reached even the distant shores of North Dakota in 1998 for director Chris Cunningham's vision of humanoid robots making out in a white room surrounded by heavy machinery. As a pubescent nerd obsessed with the cyberpunk universes of Shadowrun and William Gibson, I guarantee that hearing about this music video would have piqued my interest for several reasons. Whatever the impetus was, I picked up a copy of Homogenic and listened to it obsessively around the turn of the millennium. Bjork's unique blend of theatrical vocals, wide-eyed naivete, and Omnivorous electronic beats that range from almost ambient pieces to club-ready bangers helped cement my attitudes about the overlap between pop music and artier expressions. This song, however, was not on that album. In fact, it wasn't on any album to begin with. Released 3 months after her debut solo album, the cleverly titled uh Debut, Play Dead was initially composed for the soundtrack to a tepid gangster movie starring Harvey Keitel and a young Viggo Mortensen. While the film didn't exactly flop, it was certainly eclipsed by the success of this song. Bjork's high-flying voice soars over orchestral strings and a dubby rhythm composed by erstwhile Sex Pistols associate and Public Image Limited bass player Ja Wobble, and David Arnold, who would go on to score every James Bond film from Tomorrow Never Dies through Quantum of Solace. In what was surely not an instance of cosmic serendipity, the drum track is a sample of the opening drums from Footsteps in the Dark by the Isley Brothers. Eight months before Play Dead was released, another song famously copped the hook of footsteps The Immortal Good Day by Ice Cube. Buoyed by all these elements, Play Dead became such a success that Bjork's label, One Little Indian, rushed to include it on the second printing of Debut. While I never gave the record its due during my Bjork phase in high school, I've been digging it heavy lately. More than any of her other records, at least the ones I've been listening to, Debut brings a playful, expansive approach to the songwriting. Frequently, Bjork employs samples from places as diverse as Brazilian samba pioneer Antonio Carlos Jobim, Funk Giants, the Fatback Band, Exotica, Vibraphonist Arthur Lyman. Oh, and Always There by Ronnie Laws. All of this paved the way for Homogenic, an album that I unabashedly love and holds a special nostalgic place in my heart. And opened up a window for me to go down another Bjork rabbit hole. So let's listen to it. This is Play Dead by Bjork. it's funny to imagine the director of that movie getting this song where björk just went off and being i mean i haven't watched the movie so i don't know tonally what it's like it weirdly i even tried to watch the trailer for the movie and the only trailer i could find was dubbed into like Portuguese or Italian or something so there there isn't even an English language trailer available on YouTube which is odd but the film from what I understand is a fairly dour affair and <laughs> to get a song like this that's just so over the top and orchestral I mean it really it makes sense that David Arnold went on to do James Bond scores, because this sounds like a James Bond song, doesn't it? It sounds like something they'd be playing while, you know, shadows of psychedelic women are shooting fish out of the top of their head and then a gun twirls around and, like, diamonds go flying everywhere or whatever. Doesn't it sort of... It it seems more like that than than a, a gritty crime thriller with Harvey Keitel and the guy that played Sir Jorah on Game of Thrones. You know, I don't know. That said, it's interesting, and just listening to it now, there's this little trumpet thing that goes... Which is interesting because it, it really reminds me of basically the reason why David Allen got the james bond gig is that he made an album of reinterpreted and remixed james bond theme songs several years before he started working on james bond films and one of those songs is "Honor, majesty's secret service by the propeller heads which absolutely slots in very neatly with the Chemical Brothers and Orbital and all of that (laughs) kind of club-adjacent crossover electro music of the early 2000s. And I'm pretty sure they use that same horn sound in the song. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it and find out. And if they do, I'm going to put it in here and we'll listen to it just real quick. In any case it seems like through his work with bjork we could have had a james bond theme song featuring bjork which i think would have been incredible but i think this is about as close as we're going to get big 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 nothing nothing nothing, nothing, nothing radio 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 radio, 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 radio. Okay, so fast-forward a few years from my deep infatuation with Bjork. Punk, hardcore, and emo had come to dominate my sonic landscape. Back then, the internet had not reached the expansive heights of today. So, one of the ways that I got turned on to new music was just to go out and buy random albums and see what they were like. My friend Jeremiah and I would spend hours poring over the racks at Sam Goody, Media Play, CD Warehouse, and Discontent in Fargo looking for new and strange records to blast from the speakers of his champagne-colored 1995 Honda Accord. In the early aughts, one of the ways to find bands that aligned with the particular brand of emo and hardcore that we were into was just to pick ones with the longest band names. At the Drive-In, From Autumn to Ashes, And You Will Know Us by The Trail of Dead, The Sea and Cake, Death Cab for Cutie. In my youthful exuberance, I had tamped down my love of electronic music in favor of sworn fealty to the unvarnished approach of punk and rock and roll. Famously, during that time, I even once decided that in pursuit of not having any guitar pedals, I wouldn't buy a tuning pedal, which was actually the bane of my existence and certainly extremely obnoxious to everyone who ever came out and saw my bands play when I was in high school. When I picked up the Stability EP by Death Cab and heard vocalist Ben Gibbard's plaintive rendition of Bjork's All is Full of Love over a skittering drum and bass inspired beat done on a trap set by then drummer Michael Shore, I was floored. Here was a band situated solidly in the milieu of emo and indie rock, showing their appreciation for electropop and even blending it further with rave influenced breakbeats. This may sound naive, but... In some small way, I think that made me feel less alone. Like I didn't have to give up parts of myself in order to find new ones. Like my output could always be a unique blend of my own influences. Just like Bjork sampling on her first album, just like Ben Gibbard's work as one half of the electro pop group, the postal service, a couple years later, what we make is always a mixture of what has made us. And I think that That's what's so interesting to me about music in general. And especially when I hear artists do covers outside of their genre of songs that really affected them, that inspired them, that showed them something new about something they love deeply enough to make it a part of their lives, their careers, their artistic output. I really think that that comes through with this cover by Death Cab for Cutie of Bjork's All is Full of Love. Let's listen to it. I'm gonna tattle on myself a little bit here. When I was, I don't know, probably 16, 17. I really wanted to be, I mean, I've always really wanted to be cool. You know, I really wanted to be an encyclopedia of music, like Lester Bangs or other music critics who could just rattle off influences and notice things that maybe wouldn't be apparent to the casual listener. And when the Postal Service's first record, which I think maybe is their only record, came out, I I basically pl- plagiarized a review that I read of it <laughs> when I was talking to someone. And Basically, what had happened was the review called out that the two members of the Postal Service, Ben Gibbard of Death Cab for Cutie and Jimmy Tamborello, who goes by the name Dintel, had collaborated previously on a Dintel record called This is the Dream of Evan and Chan or something like that. And so I basically just lifted that entire little nugget and took it into a conversation as though it was my own insight and totally got roasted by somebody about it. And I remember being really embarrassed by that, that I I pretty much got called out for being a, a music criticism plagiarist, which I was. But the ironic thing is, I had already had this EP by Death Cab where Ben Gibbard covers Bjork has basically this exact same kind of break beady drum and bass backing that he had on all of give up by the postal service. And I had been listening to that for, for, you know, years at that point. And so I could have, if I had stopped to think about it, had an even more salient point than gee, I heard these two guys working together. Wouldn't it be weird if they worked together some more? Which is not interesting at all. But to say, hey, Ben Gibbard is clearly into more electronic pop dance music. Wouldn't it be cool if he made a record like that? Oh, he did. All that is to say that you should trust your gut and don't steal shit from other people because it never works out and you look like a ding-dong. So, don't be a ding-dong. Also around that same time period, I had another experience with a Bjork cover from a emo band that I really liked. Further Seems Forever, who is a emo, sort of post-hardcore band from Florida, who were originally fronted by Chris Caraba of Dashboard Confessional, but went on to make several other really good records after he left the band did a cover of pagan poetry by Bjork and it's really good. So there is also something to be said for Bjork's music going the other way. While I think Death Cab for Cutie and Ben Gibbard kind of hit a middle ground, the Further Seems Forever cover is way more emo in nature and... I think that there is something sort of intrinsically emo about a lot of Bjork's music that if you strip away a lot of the bleeps and bloops, there's, there's some strong emo vibes there, not to mention, I would guess that a lot of emo dudes who are my age or maybe a little bit older than me also had similar experiences getting super into Bjork when you're trying to find a you know ma- manic pixie dream girl to idolize when you're a teenager. So that's also probably a piece of the puzzle Big Big Big, nothing, big nothing, 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 nothing. I hope you had a fun time. I hope you enjoyed yourselves. I think Sometime in the near future, I might try to bring on a guest or do something different just to test the waters and see how it goes. In the meantime, I really appreciate y'all. Please, I don't even know what you do for podcasts. You rate them, you you write reviews. I don't know. If you feel like doing that, please feel free. I think it probably helps me to find other listeners or something. I, I still don't know how any of this works and I'm just sitting in my kitchen Talking to myself. So let's do more of that. Thanks for listening. You are listening to nothing 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 nothing.